York Jets first round selection, fullback, Roger Vick, Texas A&M. Guys, Pookie's back. This is a huge day. Pookie's back. And I got to go to him instantly because since the last time he's been on the show, his Pittsburgh Steelers have been rolling through the NFL. They are undefeated right now. Um, Pookie, we spent some time talking about the Steelers before the offseason, during the offseason, before the season started. And we weren't exactly sure how to gauge them. I think some of us were higher on them than others. I know someone specifically was not high on the Steelers, and he still has not been high on them. I want to I want to take you back, Pookie, to something Drew said before the season started. He really doubted the Steelers' skill position players, um, and you got on him for that. So, where where is your mind at right now as a Steelers fan? All eyes on number seven right now. Uh, I think that we have like a fantastic group, and I mean. You really have four receivers, or really three. You can make an argument for four that can take over a game, uh, especially with Chase Claypool in the mix. I mean, I wasn't high on that draft pick, as many of you know. <laughs> but I think that now, now that I've seen what what he is, he's been a revelation. And obviously, you have Deontay Johnson, who a lot of people last year were talking about could be a number one guy. Juju is not a number one, but he's a great complimentary receiver. I don't know if we can keep him after this season, though, because we're so deep at that position. And obviously, you got to talk about the defense. I mean, they haven't been as dominant as some people say they are, but they they create splash plays that change the game. Sacks, fumbles, interceptions, big hits. They may not stop you entirely on – as far as giving up yardage, but they will make big plays that affect the game. Well, Pookie, I mean, so it wasn't – I think when they were 4-0, and I still was doubting them. Uh, and then they went on to play, I believe, the Browns, then Tennessee, and now Baltimore, all three in a row. They've come out on top, fortunately, for them. I, do, I still don't think they're the best team in the NFL. I still put the – the Chiefs, in my opinion, are hands down the best team in the NFL. Chiefs. Um, and then I, I still think the Bucks are better than them because I think they have better offensive weapons. I don't think their defense is as good, but their defense has proven that they're one of the better defenses. But I do agree the Steelers are no longer pretenders. They're definitely contenders. I'll say that. I'm still not – I still don't think they have what it takes to win it all uh, at the end because I don't think they have that dominant guy on the offensive side of the ball, but it does also, it's also scary not to have just one dominant guy, kind of like the chiefs where they have a bunch of guys who can take over the game. Like you just mentioned three or three or four receivers who can at any point score, you know, two or three touchdowns a game. That's scary. That's kind of what the chiefs have in a sense, but the chiefs in my opinion, just have better weapons, if that makes sense. And obviously, you know, the chiefs have Pat Mahomes too. So it's like, he makes their weapons work a lot more. And the Steelers are kind of similar to the Chiefs in that they may not have a number one guy, but they're complementary players. Like, you can't just focus on one guy to shut down. And I agree with you on the Buccaneers. I'm not sure if the Steelers are the number one team, but they're definitely in the top five. The Buccaneers have the number one ranked defense, and they just signed A.B. So, you can't. I mean, Mike Evans, A.B., and Chris Godwin, that's three bona fide number one receivers. Not to mention you got tight ends. 
tight ends out the ass. Gronkowski, um, what's his name? Cameron Bray, because Howard's Cameron. out for the year, yeah. I mean, those are – there's so many weapons, and they've been playing great football. We saw what happened when they played the, played the Packers. But, you know, it's just – with the Steelers, I – genuinely believe if they don't win it they'll at least make a deep playoff run and you know division divisional round at the least Pookie, i want you to give the people at home a sense of my reaction when i heard the bucks uh signed ab can you remind me what jets fans say when there's a bad draft pick oh no exactly that was my reaction when AB was picked up by the Bucks. Drew, I was thinking about this this morning with the Bucks offense. If you get Godwin back healthy, you have AB, you have Mike Evans, you have Gronk. I mean, if we're talking red zone offense, we can throw Fournette in there. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's going to be one of the scariest skill sets we've seen in the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I, <clears throat> you don't see that many top tier guys on one team, uh, and especially for the price, I guess you can say that you've they've got them for. Um, basically getting most of them for free or drafting them, and they've been on the team. So it's definitely scary in the way Tom Brady's been playing the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been the same Tom Brady where he controls the entire game, but it's the same with the Chiefs, what they're doing. is they're able to win games by more than just, you know, here, Tom, throw the ball 50-plus times a game, go win us the game. They're able to run the ball. They're able to win with their defense. They're able to win with Tom Brady doing what he's doing. So it's definitely scary that the Bucks are able to get, to do this with the weapons they have. And they, even have, they haven't even played with all of them yet. Godwin's been in and out of the lineup all year. Howard got hurt at the beginning of the year. Now they're adding A.B. You know, Chris Godwin is kind of coming into the fold right now as being, you know, <clears throat> being more healthy, I guess. And A.B. is just not here. So it's definitely scary to think that the Bucks are getting better as the year is going on, whereas a lot of times – you know, teams are teams are falling off to injuries. Teams are doing this and that. So, it's definitely scary for sure. Okay, who, who do you think the number one receiver is right now for Tampa Bay? As in, like, who's their leading receiver? I want to say Mike Evans because he's been there the longest. But that doesn't really mean much considering that the, the, these Buccaneers are a new Tampa Bay team. You know, they have a lot of different players that they didn't have in the previous two seasons. Bruce Arians is there. And he's obviously got a new system that they're they're working on. So he may I I haven't seen a whole lot of the Buccaneers playing this year, but I've seen enough to know that Mike Evans is still the guy. I mean, he's and as far as being the youngest and with the most upside ahead for for him, he may not lead the team in yards or touchdowns, but I think that whenever it comes to crunch time, that's who Brady's going to look to look to to fill in that role a b is just so good but scotty miller leads that team in receiving yards i believe i don't know if he leads the team in receptions but i would imagine he does and i think that goes to show that for one he's definitely an underappreciated player or at least he was going into the season but it also highlights the injuries the injury problems that the buccaneers have had so that will be something to look forward to in the future not to look forward to but something to consider as we move on. But Pookie, you were saying you hadn't seen a lot of the Bucks. Let me go ahead and tell you someone you've been high on for like three to four years has been Levante David. And that man's right. playing out of his mind. And then you have Devin White, who's now playing at an all pro level, or almost at an all pro level, if not an all pro level. 
Chad I mean, that Beard. defense is disgusting. Uh, who's the who's the cornerback that they have? It's uh, or Carlton Davis, I believe. Davis, yeah, he's been balling out too. And Antoine Winfield Jr. looks pretty solid as a you know defensive rookie of the year candidate. I don't think he'll win it, but he's definitely been playing out of his mind. Pookie, it's tough for me to watch Brady have this success, man. Because if you go to the other end of the the league, here are the Patriots and the Cowboys duking it out for Trevor Lawrence, man. I think the Steelers are going to beat us to number six, to number seven. But it has to be this year. It has to be this year. And, you know, who knows what what will happen with Belichick. He's been known to – he said, like, I remember a couple years – a few years ago when they were playing the Chiefs on Monday Night Football and they were getting blown out. And everybody said that this is the end of the Pats dynasty. It's over with, done for. And then they go off and win a Super Bowl that year. And it's like, if anybody can turn a team around at midseason, it's Belichick. But I don't know if this is the year that he's going to do it with all the uh, competition they're now facing in the AFC East with the Dolphins and the Bills. Because the Dolphins have been quietly improving and and having some big wins. They blew out the 49ers. They uh, beat the Rams pretty handily. So it's like, they're beating some good teams. And... I don't know if you would consider the 49ers a good team, but they, they've won some games. So the Patriots may, who knows, they could, they're in the, they're in play for the number one pick, but you got to talk about their division foe as well. The New York jets, nobody can suck more than they suck right now. <laughs> they really might be the worst team I've ever seen. I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, I could, I definitely think they're in <clears throat> contention for, it, especially if they continue to lose games. But I want to I, I want to cancel this narrative. I don't think the AFC East is as good as portrayed because um, I don't think Buffalo's a real team. Who, who said we were good? <clears throat> I'm just saying, like I think I think the the Patriots dynasty has has put a forecast over the AFC East as always being a good division because Whoa. of the Patriots. But here's the so. deal: the AFC East is horrible. I still are. I still don't think it's it's. It's not as bad as the NFC East. I, I think I think it's the same as the AFC South, if we're being honest. Because if we're, I don't think Buffalo's a, a contender at all. I think they're they're as fake as can be. The Dolphins, I think, are the probably one of the better teams in the AFC East. And obviously, we're seeing the Patriots. They can be good, um, but I think as we saw, as Bill said, that uh, they sold out. Which I don't know what he means by that. You know, Bill's always got the underlying thing but they sold out to win a couple Super Bowls, you know, who knows. But I, I don't think it's as good as, as portrayed to be. Well, when Bill Belichick says they're selling out, he means that they're putting all their chips in one basket. They're not trying to develop players for the future. They're not trying to acquire a high draft pick. They're trying to win this year, and we're going to do whatever it takes. It's sort of like what the Rams did a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. They – picked up a lot of free agents, traded number one picks, uh, did just about anything they could to get the the players they needed for that season with no regard to how the future salary cap would work. So that's what he means when he says to, to Dude, I'm out. at the point where we need to sell out for the number one pick, and it starts on Monday night. We have got to lose that game, whatever it takes. We've got to get the Jets out of the winless column. we got to get them – got to give them two free wins. That way we'll be level on wins. We'll be two and 
at least two and eight at that time. Uh, both of us will. So we got to ensure that the Jets don't get the number one pick and that we do. We got to lose from here on out. Two and 14. When I tune in on Monday night to watch the Pats, I need Cam to fumble three times. I need us to throw interceptions. I need uh, Jets kickoff returns for touchdowns. Like, this is what it takes to build a franchise. And <laughs> I, I mean, I'm serious. Drew, I want to get to another team real quick. It just so happens to be the team that your team is playing this weekend, the Baltimore Ravens. I know there are some people who would say that the Ravens should have won the game past week, uh, this past weekend against the Steelers, but they didn't. And a lot of talk has been about Lamar Jackson, but as a Colts fan, what's your general sense going into this game? I mean, I think it's an, it's a very winnable game. Uh, you know, we just talked about the Steelers defense. The Colts have surprisingly one of the best defenses, uh, you know, in the NFL. Now, just like the Steelers in my argument against them, we haven't played the best of talent uh, in our upcoming schedule. Is, is doesn't look great for us. You know, we play the Ravens and we play on next Thursday night a great AFC South matchup, unlike what we've, nor uh, unlike what we're used to seeing where we see that, you know, the Jags and the whoever they play, it's the Colts and, and Titans. So it should be a good Thursday night game. Uh, then we play the Packers and then we play the Titans again. Then I believe we play the Texans and then we play, uh, I believe the Steelers or something are, are around there. So we've got a, we've got a pretty tough stretch. So I, but I think this is a very winnable game and the Ravens, you know, after last year, I definitely thought – I definitely had them a lot higher than than probably should have because I, I think just as we we're seeing, teams are – once a team is really good one year, there more teams are structured to, I guess, beat them in that sense. Uh, just like just like how we always say you can't beat Bill twice um, because he's such a good coach. I think, a, I think a lot of coaches are really good coaches. And the Ravens system doesn't work as well because Lamar isn't like Kyler Murray. He doesn't. He's not able to make all the throws, and I'm, Kyler can't make all of them. But he's better at it than Lamar, and so he scares me a lot more. Whereas Lamar is more of a one-dimensional kind of guy, and he can make some throws here and there. And just guys are so open because they're able to run for 300, 400 yards. So for the Colts to win this game, we need Phillip not to turn over the ball. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's every game in a sense. You know, we got to rely on on our running backs, our run game. I think Jonathan Taylor is a little banged up. And so Jordan Wilkins, as well as Naheem Hines, need to step up for sure. Our receivers are trash. Um, I, I really want to chase Claypool to come to Indianapolis, Pookie. I know you didn't want him to go to Pittsburgh. Um, but, like, Michael Pittman, no offense. I think he's been hurt for a lot of the year. But I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he has that talent to be the big number one. I think he's a, he's a red zone threat. But – I mean, I really think it comes down to our offense. Our defense seems to be the real deal. Um, this will be a big test for sure because they, the Ravens, I think, rush 200-plus on, on the Steelers, and they're one of the best rush defenses. So it's going to be a real test to see where we are. But I think it's a very winnable game, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Darius Leonard's been playing good football, Drew. The whole defense has. It's not even. Yes, it's not. DeForest, DeForest Buckner is a is a first team All Pro this year. And you know, I think that the Indianapolis Colts actually do stand a chance against the Ravens. I'm not going to say they're going to for sure win the game, but it's closer than a lot of people think. The Ravens tend to they don't play down to their competition, but they don't win the big games. Mm -hmm. Or Lamar shown that he can beat. Uh, a really good winning team 
in and when it's crunch time. So that's one thing that he doesn't have that the Steelers do and that they oftentimes can win those close games. And with the, with the Ravens, they just struggle in those, in those situations. I agree. And if I remember correctly, when we were doing our schedule talk this year, um, Sandy, you, Sandy, you made a bet on this game. Did you not this? Yeah. But that bet's been null and uh, void because there's no fans in the stands. It's, It's not a home atmosphere. Fake. That's fake. That's not fake. We had no idea what was coming. Well, we should have, I should have known, but I didn't know at the time. So this is not, this is not, this bet's not real, not anymore. But I do feel good about the Colts going to this game. I don't, I've never personally been very high on Lamar Jackson. I mean, I can't argue with what he did last year, but I'm, I'm on that train of people who think that you're seeing a regression right now and more credit needs to be given to Greg Roman for what the Ravens did last year than has been given to him. The only problem that the Colts have in this game is them and the Ravens are very similar in the, in the fact that they can't play from behind. They, they're not – if they go down by double digits – now, this is different when you're playing the Bengals, but if you go down double digits against a good team, they're in trouble. The problem for the Colts is if they were able to get a seven-point lead on the Ravens, it's not like they have a high-powered offense like Kansas City or Seattle that can go get you boom, 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 boom and suddenly the Ravens are behind 10 to 14 points and have to come back. The Colts can't do that, so they also rely on clock management. I think the Ravens rely on clock management more than uh, you would think with a team that's supposedly high-octane with all this speed. So I think that works against the Colts, but I think they match up okay in this game. So I I definitely don't see why the Colts uh, don't have a chance. My thing with Phillip Rivers is I just – you don't know. It almost seems like a Rex Grossman or 2015 Peyton Manning scenario. But I, I, I trust, I trust Philip more than Lamar, at least in a late game situation, to lead my team down to score a touchdown. Yeah. Now that now my, it's like Lamar's at like 15, 20 percent. Phil Rivers is at like 22 percent. You know, it's not higher. It's not much higher than Lamar. But I, I do. We just don't have. We don't have the weapons on the outside as receivers and tight ends to really make a difference in that aspect of the game, in my opinion. Yeah. Pookie, we're talking about some suspect quarterback play. I want to ask you about someone who's been playing out of his freaking mind is Russell Wilson. Do you – are you surprised by what he's doing at all, or did you kind of – Okay. I'm not surprised in the least. Russell Wilson has been primed to have one of these years. He's been overshadowed in the the past by some people that were having historic – historic seasons but right now Russell Wilson is obviously the MVP front runner for me and I think that you know with what he's done and the offense that they built he finally has some weapons to work with um, and his defense has not been as great as it used to be so it's like he's had to carry the team and he has shown that he can do that so I think that he he he's the best in the business right now this is a simple yes or no question Pookie, we'll start with you, and then Drew. You guys can explain a little bit if you want. Is it time to talk about DK Metcalf being a top five receiver in the league? Yes. Okay. What do you think, Drew? You're the resident tight end wide receiver. I don't think so. I think he's very close. I, I He's a top ten receiver for sure, and really more so he's a top eight receiver, in my opinion. I just 
I need him to do it for longer, a longer period of time, if that makes sense. Here, here's an interesting thing. They play the Bills this weekend, um, and the Seahawks are favored slightly in Buffalo. It's not like there are any fans in the stands. You have Tredavious White, who's an all-pro level corner, but where do you put him? Like, do you put him on Tyler Lockett? Do you put him on DK Metcalf? I mean, it's <laughs> – I think Tredavious White's – in 510, 5'11 territory. I mean, okay, there isn't a corner in the league that can really match up with DK Metcalf. Jalen Ramsey might be the most well equipped to do that. And even then, it's still a mismatch. But also, something about Buffalo that has been really surprising to me so far this year is they're the worst run defense in the league. So, my thinking is like, how does Seattle approach this game? Do you go in there trying to torch them for 40 points, throwing for 400 yards, or? Do you maybe say, hey, Chris Carson, let's get you 20 touches in this game? So I, I, I'm really curious to see how Seattle comes out in that game. But I, I'm, I'm certainly with Pookie. I th- honestly, this thing about Russell Wilson and people are asking if it's a surprise or not, I, I don't think anyone's ever been doubting Russell Wilson's ability. The fact of the matter is under Pete Carroll, they've always been a run-first team. So he hasn't gotten a chance to show this ability. But the second you give him some more weapons – and you give him the time that, you know, Mahomes and these guys have, the man will carve you up. He is – he's cold-blooded. He is, as he likes to call himself and Stone likes to call him, Mr. Unlimited. Pookie, it's been a while since we've talked to you. Um, there are a couple of rookie quarterbacks, man, that look freaking good. I don't know how much you've had a chance to see Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, but what's, what's your take on them so far? If I had to pick between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow – I might take Joe Burrow just because of the fact that he's shown that he can consistently keep his game and team in games that they have no business being in. Justin Herbert has been fantastic as uh, but he neither quarterback has you know led their team to a lot of wins, but they've shown huge potential for for the future and I it's a difficult decision for me to pick one or the other. But I think that they're, they're going to be bona fide superstars within three to four years. And I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, and I definitely think it also depends on what the organization does around them. Because we've seen someone – I'm not putting Sam Darnold in the same discussion as them. But Sam Darnold was thought to be something very similar to Joe, Her- Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And look what's happened two, three years later down the line. The Jets weren't able to really build around him, or they did a terrible job more so. I don't know if they were able to, but my gosh, like, if that happens, I feel bad because we wasted another potential, you know, face of the NFL. You know, hopefully, I think the Chargers are better suited. That's why I think Herbert's going to be a little bit more successful. But the Bengals are starting from scratch, a new coach. Hopefully, you know, they have a lot of receivers around him right now. Joe Mixon's good, but I definitely think the Chargers are a little bit better suited and it's a better destination, if you want to call it that, for players to come and play with Herbert. And I, my thing is, is that Sam Darnold was a wasted talent. I think that if he had been in the right situation, he probably could have succeeded or at least led his team to at least a playoff playoff appearance and I think that given the history of the Bengals I don't know if they're going to be able to build around Burrow 
but I like Anthony Lynn in, San, uh, in Los Angeles. I think he's a good coach. He did lead them to a playoff appearance in his first year. So I don't think he's incapable. They're just still building right now. So, uh, yeah, Pookie, I'm with you. Like, I love watching these rookie quarterbacks. I really like watching the Chargers because they have uniforms like uh, North Rocks where you and I went to school. So it's always fun watching them on TV. They have great uniforms. But I just – every time I watch Joe Burrow on TV, even when they lose, he just I, – I admire his composure playing behind such a bad – a really bad offensive line. We're seeing a really – you know, a, a new age of quarterbacks coming in with uh, – these guys, but I'm with y'all on Sam Darnold and there, I would love to see him. There are two places I'd love to see him go next year in free agency. Both of those teams are your teams. I'd love to see him in Indianapolis or Pittsburgh. Cause I think he does have talent. I think anyone who is really pooping on Sam Darnold doesn't watch football enough because he's got the talent. He's playing for one of the criminally bad franchises in the NFL. Who's done nothing to support him but we go from the criminally bad franchise in the New York Jets to one of the criminally good franchises and one of the all-time greats, the Green Bay Packers. Drew, there is a wide receiver in Green Bay that needs to be stopped, but I don't know if they can stop him. I, I, I think, you know, I saw this on Twitter the other day and didn't really hit me until I saw it. It's Devontae Adams, if he wasn't already, he is – in contention, if not the top receiver in the NFL. Now, I understand what some might say. He gets force-fed because there's no other targets in Green Bay. But that dude, especially like the last two, three years, when he is healthy and when he is playing, he is dominant. And like when I say dominant, I'm talking about a threat to score two to three times every single game. Now, he's not going to – he's not the receiver like a Tyreek Hill who's just going to outburn you. But his, his routes are crisp. He catches – not everything that comes his way, but majority of the passes thrown his way. I mean, he, he's a red zone threat. He's a, he can play slot. He can play outside. He, if it's one-on-one, like the, I believe it was the Texans a few weeks ago when he went off for like three touchdowns, he's going to kill you. If you, if you double him, he's still going to kill you. He, in my opinion is, I think him and Deandre Hopkins are the two best receivers in the NFL today, at least so far this season, the way they've been playing. Um, now, I do think a part of the reason why he is so good is because of Aaron Rodgers. You know, you put him in a different system, he might not be as successful, but I definitely think the talent's there. And I definitely think it's time to put Devontae Adams as the best receiver in the NFL. And I have a stat for you. Devontae Adams and Calvin Johnson – are the only players to have three games of 10 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown in a season. And we're only at the midway point for Devontae Adams. So that just goes to show he's on a, he's on a tear. He's damn near unstoppable. Because, I mean, as a defensive back, what are you going to do? He, you never know where he's going because he can run every route. He can catch it anywhere on the field. You, he's, almost, he's unguardable. It's crazy to watch because I'm just thinking there's nothing – there's literally nothing you can do. You can't play better defense against that. They'll be in great position, ready to break up the pass or even make an interception, and it will still end up in Devontae's hands. Exactly. And it makes that it makes that Packers offense so scared because, you know, 
freaking Marquez, Van, whatever his name is, he's been a non-threat all year long. He scores two touchdowns because of the re, you know, because of Adams being so such of a threat. And then you have Aaron Jones who just came back last night. He was getting touches. Like if the Packers defense can be a fraction or, or compared to what they were last year, they haven't played that well this year. Um, but if they can get to that point where they were last year, I think that's kind of what helped them to the end. The Packers are a very, very scary team in the NFC because the way A-Rod's playing, now I know I know Russ is the front runner, but number two on that list has got to be A-Rod. The way he's playing this year, if you look at his MVP numbers his last two seasons, he's doing better than what he was doing those two years he won the MVP. So the, the Packers and especially A-Rod are very, very scary, and it's, it's showing with Adams and what he's able to do. Are the Cardinals legitimate? Do either of y'all have the Cardinals as being a potential dark horse in the playoffs? I think that if they make the playoffs, which I think that they will, they, they'll probably be one and done. I don't think that they're a bad team at all. I think the Arizona Cardinals have been playing really well, and they've shown that they can play up to their competition. I just think experience is going to be the thing that, that knocks them this year, um, especially you know Kyler Murray being in his second year. We've seen we've seen some second year quarterbacks have deep playoff runs like Russell Wilson, but Mahomes uh, or Mahomes, but Kyler Murray. I don't know if he's necessarily on the level of Wilson or Mahomes. Not that he won't ever reach it. I just don't think he's there yet that they can make a deep playoff run. For sure. I mean, I definitely agree. I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins makes him scary. Um, you know, it depends on who they play in that first round. If they can get the NFC East. You know, if they've got if they can play the NFC East or some, you know, even the NFC. I guess no, I don't think I don't I don't have them beating the South. I don't have them beating the Packers or the Bucks and or Saints. Whoever wins, um, I don't know. I, Buda Baker is the real deal at safety. We, Sandy was joking about or kind of weird, I guess harassing him about his him getting such a big contract in the offseason because we hadn't heard much of him. But this year, because the Cardinals are better, we're seeing them in more primetime games. We're seeing Buda Baker be one of the best safeties in the league. And the loss of Chandler Jones, I think, hurts them in the playoffs because he's a game changer on the on the defensive line. He is. And if we're, we'll stay in the NFC West for a second. You, you talk about Seattle again with them and their playoff chances. You know, you had Carlos Dunlap to that defensive line. You give them a pass rusher. One thing we're seeing out of Jamal Adams now that we haven't really seen out of a Pete Carroll defense, Pete Carroll doesn't really blitz the safety. He's not been known to blitz the safety. And Jamal Adams frequently is blitzing 10 times per game. Now, he's been injured recently, but when they get him back, they see him in there with Carlos Dunlap, and you already have, you know, one of the best linebackers in football, one of the best ones in the last 10 to 15 years. I, I love what that deep, where that defense is going. And they haven't been playing great, but I just feel like, when things get tough in the playoffs and you need a stop, when you have that kind of talent out on the field, you can. You have the ability to get that stop. I don't know if you will, but it just has a chance. So if we're looking at teams in the NFC going forward, I'm really hesitant about the Saints right now for whatever reason. I like the Bucks. The Packers just have a feeling to me that I know they can do it offensively. Their defense can play well at, at times, but I still just get a feeling like it's the same Packers team from last year when they look good, and then they play the 49ers and got steamrolled. I'm not saying they're going to get steamrolled, but I'm not sold. So, for me, I still think it's Seattle right now that I look to as being that team, but Tampa Bay's right there with them. 
for me. So it, it'll be a lot of fun, though. And I tell you what, I got to see Jamal Adams play against the Patriots on prime time. You didn't get to see him play a lot with the Jets. You only saw highlights. That guy is all over the field, flying around, making plays. He is insane. And it's no question as to why he was, he's been on All-Pro almost every year he's played. But, Drew, I'm with you about Buda Baker, man. We don't see the Cardinals play in prime time. The second he got out and was playing prime time games, I'm like, dude, holy cow. He's just like Jamal Adams. He can fly around the field, make tackles. Anytime there's a play on the screen, Buda Baker's there. You know, he's either made the tackle or he's right there. So, it's just a, it's a good time for football, fellas. It, well, unless you support a two-and-five team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Cindy, let me ask you this. What, what do you think the next steps are for the Patriots? Say this year you guys finish four – Say I'll give you guys uh, a six-and-ten record. I know that's not pretty. That's horrible. But you guys, you guys finished six and ten. I, I need two and fourteen. <laughs> okay, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you four and twelve. How about oh, that? Oh, that's a failure. You're four and twelve. What, what do you, what do you think as a, as a Patriots fan? Your next steps? There's, a, there's successful? a lot to be done, dude. The, the first question I always have, I've always been, you know, growing up as a Patriots guy and watching the Cowboys, knowing their successes and how things work between. It's never the team. It's never just the coach. It's the organization from the top down. And for me, my first question with, with the Patriots is, how long do we have Belichick left? What moves is he going to make? And are they going to be indicative of someone who's going to be around for the next five to ten years? Because for me, we're in salary cap hell. We've got to offload some people. But in, And we honestly, besides the Jets, might have the worst roster in the NFL. We really might. And we don't have our quarterback. We have no idea what we have in Stidham. Cam Newton – is not the same. And I think a lot of us had the feeling that he wasn't going to be the same and that it was kind of like a mirage in the water in the desert when he was playing really well. That's nothing against Cam. It's just the reality of the situation. I have no idea what we're going to do. I don't know where you go in the draft. The best thing is to pray that you get a – Drew, if you're talking 4-12, and 12, we're probably not in it for Trevor Lawrence. We're probably not in it for Justin Fields. Uh, there's no question what, what – no question. I mean, there's no – I have no idea what this kid out of North Dakota State is going to be. So do you even look at quarterback? To me, you go out and you go get a, a Sam Darnold if he's available. Or maybe you bring in Matt Ryan for two to three years or someone. But if Trevor Lawrence is there, you ta- if we get the number one pick, that's who you take. But to me, it's a total overhaul. This is a three- to four-year project. And so that's my concern with the organization. I have no idea if Belichick's going to be around for that long to oversee this project. So – I'm, uh, I, yeah, I have no idea, dude. This the, <laughs> I've seen my team win all six Super Bowls, but I have no idea where they're going to be. So I, I asked Sandy because um, at my dad's wedding this last weekend, uh, I, I was introduced to a rare occasion in Indianapolis. One of my dad's, um, well, actually his best man's son, uh, I believe his name is Nathan. He's a Patriots fan, so I wanted him. So shout out to Nathan. I wanted to ask you to get your opinion on what do you think the Patriots can do next. But do you think still Stephen Gilmore is worth the first round pick? No, because that freaking um, um, gosh, who who the Chargers just offload? Desmond King. Yeah, for a six rounder. I think it was. So a there's fifth. no way in hell they're giving. No, it was a sixth. There's no way in oh. hell they're giving up. Gilmore's not getting a first. I mean, he's just he third. Yeah, and he just he just won Defensive Player of the Year. 
but he's getting up there. He, he, I think he got drafted in what, like 2011? I think he's 20... 28 years old, I believe. It's not his age, though, dude. It's his salary, and we got to get him out. Like, it, I'm not, he's not a bad player by any means. He's one of the better players at his position, but it's we have Shaq Mason, uh, Devin McCourty, but you need Devin McCourty for a variety of reasons. But Gilmore, honestly, it's time, dude. We're probably going to suck this year for the next year, the year after. It's going to take some time, but all great organizations come back. Like the Steelers have never had a really bad year. You've had some really mediocre years where you've missed the playoffs, but you've always been hanging around. You've never been in the swamp and the Packers have never been in the swamp. The Cowboys are in the swamp, but that's a whole different story. The Cowboys are in the Atlantic ocean sinking. Yeah. They're in the Bermuda triangle. Yes, they are. The house fire in Dallas. Yes. It is. All all I I have to tell you is there was one year that the Colts, since I've been alive, that the Colts were bad. (laughs) And it was, it was known as suck for luck. Um, And it, it paid off. It paid off now. Unfortunately, he's no longer with the organization. That's a sad day. But he he was the reason why we, we went to a couple playoffs, had a couple deep runs. So it's okay to start tanking. Um, my, thing, my thing is I'm hoping Brian Flores repays the debt. Like, is there any way – they don't need Gilmore because you have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones there. But is there any way we could give them Gilmore for their first-round pick from the Texans? Like, he can repay us the favor for taking all the Patri- – like, he has half the Patriots defense playing for the Miami Dolphins now. I'd love to have some form of repayment on that. That's what, that's what you call tampering, Mr. Burks. Okay. You're talking to the <laughs> – dude, you're talking to the freaking New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> the kings of tampering. <laughs> yeah. I'll, so, yeah, I don't know, Drew. We're really about to figure – we're about to find out how good this organization is because we are not in a – you think Bill Belichick will be around in the next two years? Next two? I would think so. I haven't seen anything that would suggest otherwise, but also with someone at his age, you just don't know. Like who who knows? I think I think it's up to Bill on whether he wants yeah. to stay and and he wants to go with this rebuild. You know, he's been so successful, he hasn't had to rebuild in 20 years. He might not want to stay around, but he might also see it as a challenge of, hey, you know, I'm an older guy, but I'm one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NFL let me see what I can do with a poo-poo team and make them great again I mean Brady was brilliant Brady saw the writing on the wall he knew how bad this roster really was uh, imagine that he goes from the look at look at the Patriots like we were missing Julian Edelman and Demir Bird last week those are our, our top two receivers those two guys and Demir, Nick, yeah, Demir Bird and then Nikhil Harry as so like you're going from those guys who are your best receivers to a team that's got Chris Goblin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown uh, dude, Scotty Miller would be the best part on our team right now. So, our offense. Yeah, dude, it's it's just – it's amazing that before the season started, before all this, we were sitting here, all of our teams look promising. Two of y'all's look really good now, and then mine is, like, not good. Well, it, let's – I, I want to hear Poogie's thoughts about the Cowgirls. Oh, man. <laughs> the Cowboys are an embarrassment an embarrassment to this league. I mean, I'm talking the house is on fire. I'm talking the uh, the bread is burnt. I'm talking there's shit in the dressing on Thanksgiving. I'm talking tampons in the trash can at work. I'm talking garbage, hot garbage, baby doo-doo in the diaper garbage. It is not pretty. 
<clears throat> I don't know. Mike McCarthy needs to be fired because how many times can your team get blown out in one season? It's not like they're they're the Chargers and they're losing all these games by one score. They're losing these games by 20 points or more. I mean, they got their asses handed to them by the Washington Redskins, who or the Washington football team, excuse me. And that makes it even worse. The team that you got blown out by doesn't even have a logo or a name. You got your ass kicked by them. And it's like – when, how long does Jerry Jones give Mike McCarthy to see if he's, he's changed? Mike McCarthy hasn't been a good coach in years. They ran him out of Green Bay because they saw what was what was coming and what had already started to happen. You know, he took a year off from football and tried to study analytics and shit. That didn't work out. What? The only thing he learned how to analyze, analyze was a, a barbecue bacon cheeseburger. And <laughs> And they they have too much talent to be this bad. Yeah. That's all I have to say. I, I don't blame Mike McCarthy as much. I, I think it's a whole issue. For, number one, their, their issues are not just injuries, but that has to be mentioned that you, your best player is down with a broken <laughs> ankle. You're, you're missing half your offensive line. But I, I, I think the blame – rest mainly with the owner with Jerry Jones this there's like no catch here there's no safety net for the Cowboys once Dak went down once their offensive line went down we realized how badly constructed this roster was that defense is not good but you think about the contract situation Pookie what do you do with with Dak now because um you have Amari Cooper on a hundred million dollar contract Zeke's on a 90 million dollar contract and you, you can't pay you can't pay your quarterback you're a mess. It's a mess of what's going on. And yes, I would say McCarthy does shoulder a lot of the blame. My thing with this is Jerry Jones is probably the only person in the entire world who thought hiring Mike McCarthy was a good idea. It made like, there's no reason to have made that was the safest, boringest hire that we might've seen in the last 10 years. It, it, to me, I was just like, that was, that was the that. ultimate buzzkill, dude. That was the <laughs> ultimate blue balls for the silver and blue. And, <clears throat> you know, they have CeeDee Lamb. They have Amari Cooper. They have Lanton Vander Esch. They have Jalen Smith. And they they all look terrible. They all look terrible. Pookie likes yeah. their linebacking core more than the actual Cowboys fans do. He said they were the next Keekley and uh, Thomas Smith, and they freaking hate Vander. And I know I got that Thomas name wrong. Davis, Thomas Thank Davis. Thank you, Drew. I went blank. But, uh, <laughs> dude, they freaking hate Jalen Smith. They said that man can't play football. They turn on him so quick. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate here for the Cowboys just for the moment because um, I, wow. I, do, I do disagree. or I do Huge breaking news. I do hate them, but it definitely sucks that injuries, retirements, that stuff has come into effect. Obviously, it's really hurt them this year, as we've seen. But um, I think the the first mistake that the organization made was not looking at defense in the offseason. Yes, they did go sign out a, a, you know, a good defensive front, but losing Byron Jones. Now, I haven't heard his name in Miami that much. That's usually a good thing if you're a cornerback not hearing your name that often. So the, the loss of Byron Jones, the ability to 
to have a shutdown corner, just anything in my opinion, like you, you gotta, you gotta find that. And they don't have that in, in Dallas anymore. You know, they, they're, they're, they're just destroyed on the offensive side of the ball. When teams want to pass the ball, they're just destroyed. And then they can't stop the run either because their linebackers aren't good or they're hurt. You know, they, they've they already cut some of the guys they've signed. DeAndre Poe or Deont- whatever his name, DeAndre Poe. Don Terry Poe, yeah. Don Terry Poe. Everything been, Griffin got traded. He got traded. He, you know, Poe got cut. So they definitely did a lot of bad things. And I don't know if that's a Jerry Jones thing or if that's a Mike McCarthy thing. Um, the issues run deeper than just injuries and the retirement for me. And that's why I think it's it's time to, to move on and, and – Gage came on early in, in the season or in the off season and spoke about, you know, Hey, you know, we, we've been on Jason Garrett for years. That's the reason why we suck. Jason Garrett's not there to blame anymore. It's time to start blaming other people, whether that's the players, whether that's the management, you know, I, I definitely do think the coaches do suck as we saw McCarthy's not very good, but. It's a bad scenario. They're in trouble too. Just like the Patriots. Although I hope they sign Dak. I just, it's awesome to have such a really good kid leading a franchise where it's really tough to be. It is really tough to be the Cowboys quarterback, like with all the publicity you get, you know, all the media chatter. And he's such a good guy. So I hope everything works out for him. But I do think there's a long way back for the Cowboys. And I don't think Jerry Jones is in a state of mind anymore to be the guy who leads them in that resurrection just because I don't think he can make the moves anymore that need to be made. Hey, Jimmy Johnson's not there anymore, baby. No Herschel Walker trades, none of that coming, no wheeling and dealing in the draft. So not, not good times in the big D, but uh, speaking of big D, Pookie, I wanted to ask you something. Um, is, <laughs> is there any doubt in your mind that DK Metcalf has the biggest horn in the NFL? Um, if that's what you want to call it, what, what would you call it? Um, a rattlesnake. Okay. Because at the at the tip it vibrates. <laughs> All right. So, are you saying yes or no? He's got the biggest horn. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. Had to clear that up. Well, now that Pookie's cleared up who has the biggest horn in the NFL, we're going to take a quick ad timeout so we can hear from our friends at Anchor.fm about how you can create your very own podcast and maybe make your own list of top five, top ten horns in the NFL. So, Pookie, it's fall time, and obviously the colors are changing. It's really pretty outside, at least where we live. And you're a photographer. You're a videographer, um, mainly when clothes are off. But... I wanted to ask you, like, do you ever get calls for photo shoots during this time of the year? I do. I am um, actually doing a photo shoot for my sister today for her 21st birthday. Um, <laughs> oh, Drew, you're a, you're a nut. Um, I just did a wedding just the other day so i'm i've been taking pictures for quite a few people it wasn't yours right it wasn't your wedding no it wasn't my wedding it was a it was a this older couple that needed a photographer videographer for their 
their uh, wedding and I was made available for that. They contacted me through my website. So I'll fall and I have other shoots that I'm doing too, but fall time is actually a really popular time for photo video. Drew, do you ever have to do any of that stuff? Are you on call of duty? Like you had the duty um, of being in the photo shoots. So this year has been a little bit weird um, with, with my girlfriend being in PT school. Um, it's been tough. You know, she doesn't have a lot of free time, but, and with COVID going on, you know, but like in years past, we went to this place in Dallas. I had like pumpkins everywhere. We went there. Um, Would you do that? Would you ever suggest doing that? Or is it always her? So one of our first dates, actually, I think it was our second date ever. We went to a very nice steak place called Chamberlain's. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. Um, nice flex flex on them and then we went to uh, go see Christmas lights because she really likes Christmas lights so that was like my idea but like majority of the time we go with friends so you have someone to take a picture for you you don't ask random strangers to do it um, and stuff like that the reason why I ask you that Drew is we put out a poll well it was me Um, and, and I purposefully left off some options so you got on to I said which seasonal activity are you most looking forward to or do you look the most forward to because pumpkin patches they're still they're still around because of thanksgiving but you know halloween's past now but i I said pumpkin patch christmas tree farm and i don't remember the other one christmas rom-coms yeah and more or less what i was trying to do is i was trying to say the things that guys get suckered into like you have to go do it because of that so that's kind of what this thing is about I didn't include Christmas lights because I thought that would be a clear winner. Yeah, but that should have been on the list. I'm mad at you because you left out Thanksgiving. I'm tired of Thanksgiving being left out of all these holiday traditions. I left it out because I thought it would win too. Who doesn't like a day of eating and watching football? I'm, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it, Sandy. I'm tired of it. Okay. You should be too. Your birthday runs around that yeah, time of the year anyway. It's the same week. My, my birthday this year will be on Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, I get to celebrate my birthday with with a lot of food and some good football game. Well, probably not any more good football games because the Cowboys suck. And well, maybe good because they'll probably lose that day anyway. Um, Steelers on Thanksgiving. Oh, is it the Steelers and Ravens again? It is. I think they need to make that the night game. Now, I do like how they rotate it ever so often, but I definitely like it better when the Steelers and Ravens play. But, um. So, yeah, Sandy, so I, I think you, you left off some good ones for sure. Now, I don't think many people go Christmas tree farming anymore. Like, they don't go pick out real trees anymore, at least from where I'm from. It, it might be more of a country thing or, like, out of a – but, like, in, in the DFW area, not as, not as many people that I know go out and get real trees. We all have those fake yeah. trees. Drew, I'm succumbing to the pressure. I'm deleting the tweet. There's no Wow, I even saw we got called out. You didn't see that we got called out by Jackie? Yeah, damn. She got seven you're, likes. You're Jackie. She got more likes than we did on ours. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> because her popular comment's about to get taken out. <laughs> so I hope she's listening to this. Uh, Pookie. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Pookie, I wanted to give you this, this thing real quick, this headline that's running through. The, it says, video clip that shows a Pornhub banner during CNN's live coverage is edited, journalists report. 
Um, I choose to believe it was not edited. I really hope that's a thing. Um, something that's been, first of all, I just want to get this out of here. I am starting a campaign against porn. And I know that upsets the two of you, but I'm okay. <laughs> but you know, with the naming rights drew of the NBA stadiums, like wasn't Bang Bros trying to buy the naming rights to the Miami Heat uh, arena? Um, I just want to say that, but we're seeing a proliferation of like the, the porn companies are getting more popular nowadays. So while we're talking about this uh, being multi-versatile, Pookie, we made a short film your junior year of high school where your character was arrested. And the, uh, the line that we used was someone was a police chief and we had someone come in and tell the police chief, hey, we just had a busy night. We picked up a pedophile, a drug trafficker, uh, an organ trafficker, all these different things and all this. And the, and the police chief goes, do we have enough cells for all these guys? And the guy's like, no, it was just one person. But he's all these different things. You remember that? <laughs> he, he was a rapist, a murderer, a ventriloquist. Yeah, I forgot about the ventriloquist part. Organ trafficker, uh, child murderer. Yeah. Book highlighter, Harry Potter character. Ooh, tough. That's the worst. Um, will you tell Drew about the other film we made that the <laughs> the really unfortunate story that happened in class where you got hell? Oh, so it was a it was called soccer. It was something about soccer fanatics, and it was like a mockumentary, and we were trying to express the importance of soccer. So we had one of our classmates pose as a person of disabilities of intellectual disabilities. And we basically roasted him and had him like, oh, yeah, I like soccer. And we did that. And our teacher had a disabled son and was not happy with the events that occurred in that film neither were most of the people in the classroom and they were so shocked they didn't know what to say to me that and sandy wasn't there that day in class so i took all the brunt of it Drew, here's I, the kicker well i'm the kicker but here's the kicker on this one i did write in that part in our script about we wanted to stress the importance of like the ultras the hooligans that you're knowing about now drew with your research in the soccer you're mm -hmm. talking about their community outreach programs and mm -hmm. how while they get a bad rap actually oh, they do a ton of uh, there's a lot of charitable charitable activity going on and mm -hmm. they would be assisting and volunteering at local hospitals and specifically with children with disabilities I wrote in that part in the script not once did I say hey Pookie we should get Chase Wilson and have him impersonate someone with disabilities never said that part never I, I had no so there was one day I think I left early for a soccer game I believe early for a road trip that I do not remember ever Pookie filming that part. I had no idea it was in the film until I think the final cut before it was, it was the day it was it due until I'd already played in class. Yeah, I had no idea. And then he's right. I was sick that day, but I had no idea that part was in. So I didn't notice. I was legit. That was probably the sickest I've ever been in high school that day. I remember that I had to miss a game because of it. And I never miss games, but the, I, Dude, as soon as school ended, I remember Pookie texted me like, dude, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it was so, it was so bad. 
we were over here talking about you said that the the guy was impersonating he likes soccer is that what you said no he was impersonating someone with disabilities so pookie had him talk about the gotcha had his character talking about it and stuff but like had him on camera doing it and like listen like obviously nowadays there's no way in hell pookie ever puts that on in the movie because like you can't do that but back then it was a different time even though when it was like seven years ago maybe no longer than, no, yeah it was about seven years but that was um let's I just say to tell that story. I, I remember the, the video y'all made um me and pookie's freshman year <laughs> that one's famous too um <laughs> so yeah i, I y'all, y'all should probably never make an actual movie together well we've been talking about doing it again and stefan bonilla uh my roommate who was in that movie as well he's he's been talking about wanting to make one again but he's got a freaking career now so i don't know if he's even got the time for it pookie was the star of the film but i think a lot of the notoriety that film gets is freaking stefan wearing the trash bag and us making out like that's the one i think that gets the most <laughs> talk besides the drug scene with pookie <laughs> With actual drugs used in the drug scene. Actually, the part where I say, where you talk about what's good sex without goats, it's probably the quote of the show. And, you know, I think the best part was obviously y'all making out with him wearing the trash bag. Yeah. But a close second would be, I hated the part where we were playing video games. Yeah. That one was no good. But then I had the GTA fallout wasted fine. Mm-hmm. Let me let me let me clarify something for the people listening at home that we have no idea they have no idea what we're talking about. This was a project I had, my final project for Western political thought. And we were supposed to illustrate either via movie, short film, essay, PowerPoint, whatever, like just uh summarize something we talked about during class. And my idea was I wanted to take Machiavelli's idea of the prince, like everything that the, a good leader should be. And we portrayed it via film and we made it as stupid as possible. I thought it was actually pretty good. I thought it was stupid, but we hit on all the parts and I thought we dumbed it down for everybody pretty good. So even the freaking, I don't know what word I want to call those, some of the kids, but like even they could understand what Machiavelli was talking about. Well, anyway, it didn't go down. It's great. And like my professor literally handed me his card that he used. It was his contact card for his therapist. He said, I've been needing this, but you need it even more. He did that to me in the front of class. It was, so that's what that was about. I think it's important for people to understand that was for an actual class project. Sandy, I 100%, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I 100%, after watching the clip, I said, I think I think I saw it outside of the, the calf that year. And I think I watched it with like a handful of football guys. And after I said, what the fuck did I just watch? I think I need to go like go to church or something. <laughs> I, I, I do. I really think we had so many people say that Gage, Opal, Mitch Muick, all of them were like, dude, what the fuck was that? What was that? <laughs> Uh, I cannot believe you sat in a class and played that in front of human beings at uh, Hendrix too. At Hendrix, yeah. Gage's wife or fiance or yeah, wife. She came up to me and was like, she wanted to know more. She was like, "What in the hell were you thinking?" (laughs) And 
for some reason that day I had my retainer still in my mouth. So I was like, hug, and pulled the retainer out and drools was going down my chin and shit. It was like, well, actually, it was political philosophy video about Machiavelli. <laughs> Uh, but she was, did. But then it was time to go to class, so then I had to go in yeah. there and act just do that. Act professional. <laughs> um, we'll end it with this. Obviously, we're recording on a Friday. Uh, this past Tuesday was the presidential election. But Pookie, I want to take it back to y'all's freshman year, yours and Drew's. Um, what did you do during the election? What did we make you do? So I can't remember which state it was, but we were at the election watch party in the uh, as borough. in the borough, and there were a bunch of students there, and pretty much ninety percent of the room was pro Hillary, probably more honestly. <laughs> I did just for the record, I didn't support either candidate. I did not support Trump or Hillary. I can confirm he didn't. But I was acting like I was supporting Trump just to piss everybody off, and we all said. If he wins, I think it was like Michigan. You're you're gonna have to take your shirt off and go woo, and walk out. And he won it, so I took my shirt off in the middle of the of Warsham and screamed out woo, let's go, and walked out in a confident, triumphant manner. We uh, I have a a slightly different take on this. So going into the election, we obviously all believed uh, Hillary Clinton was gonna win the presidency. When we got to Warsham, it was Pookie, me, I think Colby Hamilton might have been there, Stephen Bonilla, and John Kevin Greer. There were a few more. But we sat down, and I, it's probably me because this is something I would do. I said, Pookie, I think you should take off an article of clothing for every state Trump wins. So he was picking up little ones here and there, and you had to take off a shoe or a sock or something. And then he was picking up steam, and we're like, oh, my God, he might actually win Florida. It was this, that's the state pookie where you lost it. So when he won Florida, we were like, oh my God, he really might win the election. That's when Pookie took his shirt off. It was like, I, that's it. I, this, <laughs> like, so like this. And he walked out and we watched it uh, in the TV beside the room where everyone was. But yeah, Pookie was pretty much stripping naked the night of the election. I don't remember exactly all what the bet was, Pookie. It was, it was probably a mix of the things that we're talking about, but. Long story short, you were taking off your shirt uh, after Trump won. I, I know it was Florida. I know for a fact it was Florida. But, yeah, that was us back in the day when we weren't talking football. Back in the good old days. Yeah. If that's They were good for us, not good for the people that were around us. Yeah. Fun times, guys. Fun time.